Thankful for the opportunity to worship with you guys this morning. If you appreciate the hard work of Jared and our band, could you just let them know by clapping your hands? Or you take your Bibles and open those to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. Matthew, chapter 25. Uh, if you are with us for the first time, as a church, we typically spend time in going from a thematic study to a study of a book of the Bible, and we actually lean more towards the latter. But from time to time, we need to jump in and really talk about things that we deal with, all of us deal with, on a a practical level. And for us as a church, the way that we attempt to do that is at the beginning of the year... Uh, 2019, we walked through a series called Grace, where we talked about the the various things that make up the core values of our church. Uh, Grace, and we use the acronym because I'm a pastor and we like acronyms. Uh, the G stands for generosity. The R for relationship. The A for authenticity. The C for confidence, meaning the confidence in the gospel, and the E for excellence. This year, we want to focus in on one of those in particular, and that is the uh, core value of generosity. And we, as a group of people gathering together in the church, if you're with us for the first time, we're not trying to winnow you out and get you out of the room by talking about money today. We just want to make sure that we're keeping in front of all of us the practical things that every one of us as followers of Jesus or people who need to follow Jesus, things that we have to consider for us to be honoring Lord with ev- the Lord with everything, with what we've been given and why we've been given those things. So we're just coming off the Christmas season, and I'm at the age now, 42, where rather than uh, really getting stuff, though I do get some stuff, I'm at the age where I play with my kids' stuff. Anybody there over the last two weeks? My kids were on a trip from from cr- the couple of days after Christmas until just two days ago. So they get home, they unload all of the stuff from their grandparents' house, and we're just playing with things. Alder has a, a radio-controlled car. He actually got two of those. and They move around. One of those, Spider-Man, I don't know why Spider-Man needs a car. He swings from place to place. Uh, Batman, he had a batman control car. So my boys, they got Madden 2020, uh, the NFL video game, and I played a little bit with them two nights ago, and I just need you to know that your boy used to be a Madden legend. I would win tournaments and stuff, and now I'm at that ripe old age where I'm squinting my eyes and throwing the controller on the ground. I've regressed. Um, Noli got this baby monkey that, uh, I mean, it's... It has hairy arms and everything, and just in time for them to go on a trip to the Creation Museum. I'm sure that was awkward for uh, the people there. And the boys also got some hand drones. We've already had to return to the Amazon. There are lots of things. Christmas, all of us have these various things. But my favorite gift that we got the boys for Christmas this year, and when I say we, I mean my wife, and I just affirmed her. uh, My favorite gift, we gave the boys wallets. And why was it my favorite gift? Because we put money in there as well as gift cards for places where they're going to want me to take them anyway. So they can lead in. We can cut out me, the middleman, and and they're already learning about how when what's inside of it is gone, it's just gone. It doesn't magically get replaced. It's gone. 
So when we as a church talk about money, we're considering the idea of, of what we have and why we have it and how we're going to use it. So today, as we talk about the idea of Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents, we're looking at the stuff that we have, base level today, who does my stuff belong to? That's a great question for all of us to ask, for all of us to consider, and pastors struggle to have this conversation. However, we should be having this conversation. Why should we be having this conversation? Because there's a lot of bad money teaching. In, the, in what we claim is the church, there's lots of bad teaching about money. You've got two ends to the extreme. You, you've got the prosperity gospel. You may be unfamiliar with that. But the basis of it is God blesses those who love Him with health, wealth, and resources. If you watch television, you may be listening to someone who teaches prosperity gospel. If there's an 800 number under their name and they're asking you to buy them a jet while their wife looks like she lost a paintball battle. Like that's kind of what we see. Just we'll call it what it is. In essence, the person, so we're going to take it down to the bottom shelf, the person who is sinning in this poor understanding of God and the Bible is the one who has less than me. I'm good, I've got my health, I've got my wealth, and the way that that whole thing works, if you don't have your health, wealth, or money, then you're probably in sin. The problem is, I know some pretty amazing people who don't have a lot financially, and God's favor is just all over them. If you interact with them, you can tell they love Jesus, and Jesus loves them. There's a deep relationship there. So that's problematic. The other is, so you've got that extreme. The other is this thing called the poverty gospel. And it's kind of new, but the, as far as the teaching and it being elevated, God blesses those who never use their resources. So what happens there is, in essence, the person who is sinning is the one who has more than me. If you've got a nicer car than me, or you've got a nicer house than me, then you're obviously in sin. That's a poor, distorted teaching of the Bible, too. Why? Because the problem is, I know some really great people who have really great houses and boats, and they have cars with bumpers, who are incredibly generous, and they honor the Lord. That's a house joke. Uh, My car's missing a bumper. It's not even really missing. I know where it's at. It's just not on the car right now. Why else should we talk about money? Because the Bible talks about money a lot. I had one friend in high school. He said, I I don't like going to church with you because every time I go, the pastor talks about money. And I replied, brother, you're only coming with me once a year. So you just keep landing on that same spot. Let me give you some some examples. 2,500 plus verses in the Bible speak directly to money. One out of every ten New Testament verses is about money. We are New Testament Christians, and we believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Of the 30 parables of Jesus, red letter, 16 parables are about money. 25% of Jesus' total teaching is about money. And it's always part of of a larger conversation. One friend says, if, you, if I were to follow Jesus' preaching plan, you're getting a money sermon once every four weeks. 
near the end of his earthly life, Jesus is being asked questions in Matthew chapter 25. And all of the questions are about the end of time. And Jesus gives them three parables in a row. We're looking at the one in the middle, verse 14 of Matthew chapter 25. For it's just like a man who, about to go on a journey, he calls his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. Uh, to one man he gave five talents. To another he gave two talents, and to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. And then... The man went on a journey. Immediately, the man who had received five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So whenever we read Bible stories or watch movies or television shows, one of our natural inclinations is to put ourselves in the place of the hero, the lead of the story. If you watch television, you, whatever your favorite show is, action, adventure, if you're watching Jack Ryan, you see yourself as Jack Ryan. If you are watching Lost, which is one of my favorite television shows of all time, which did not stick the landing, uh, you see yourself as Jack Shepard. You, you are the lead character of whatever. When we read this story, we are, if we're not careful, we see ourselves in the place of the owner of the land. The thing is, you're not who you think you are. We are not the lead in this story. So if you're a note taker, feel free to write this down. God is the owner. In this story, friends, you are not the owner. God is the owner. It's his land. It's his property. This belongs to him. So let me give you some understanding from this text as to what's happening here. Master is used nine times in these verses. It's actually the Greek word that we found called kairos is better translated Lord. So nine times you have the Lord reference in the, the Lord here. Uh, you also in verse 14, you see the pronoun his. This property is his. Verse 18, his master's money. Verse 27, my money. Jesus is incredibly clear as to who's running this show. Uh, so we read through the scriptures and we spent time in church. And if you've ever spent a lot of time in church, there's been a teaching about money. And one of the weird things that I was taught about money was this. You have all of this stuff and it's yours. Just make sure you give God his part. Everything's yours. You give God his part. Well, this is a distorted view of this teaching here. You give God his little sliver and you do you boo with the rest of it. That's what we see. Uh, this is not a matter of God getting his 10% or 15% or 8%. It's a matter of what you and I are doing with the other 90 or 85 or 92 or whatever number you're landing on. What are we doing with what is God's? Let me give you some verses so you, just to help us break it down. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. Okay, don't like that one. Deuteronomy chapter 10. Behold to the Lord your God belongs heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Leviticus chapter 25. For the land belongs to me. 
You are only foreigners and tenant farmers working for me. Job 41, who has, the first, who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. Psalm 50, verse 10 through 12. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all the moves in the field is mine. All that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Haggai. Chapter 2, verse 8. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, said the Lord of hosts. Everything we have is His. The very breath that you're breathing so you can listen to me with the ears on the sides of your head belong to Him. This goes for you and your money, me and my money, my time and my talent as well. Abraham Kuyper, theologian, who's fun to quote, says this, There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry mine. So what am I supposed to be generous with? If everything belongs to him, you're generous, I'm generous, we're called to be generous with what belongs to him. And we are called to be generous with everything, time. So time, talent, treasure, that's language you hear if you're here on a regular basis. We talk about that a good bit. The time is the idea of what you do. And that is work that anyone can do. So just to give you specifics in this building, we have a at this very moment, we have children's teaching that goes on. And we have opportunity for you to serve in that area. There is a great opportunity for you to come alongside of families in our church, whether they are believing families or they are non-believers who, by the grace of God, have shown up here on a Sunday morning and spend time with kids in that area. You can use your time to do that. Any of us can help with that. Any of us can come alongside of our greet team. Any of us can throw garbage away. Time is something that all of us have. Talent. Now, there's two ways we're using talent today, but they come from the same source. The word talent in the, in the original language is a little different than the way that we use it. When we say this is the parable of the talents, friends... We're talking about a word which is a measure of value. So when the word is used in the New Testament, it's really about earnings. And a talent in the Bible is 20 years of earnings. So when we say that the owner of the land, when Jesus uses this phrase, he's given this man to work with 100 years wages, 40 years wages. This owner has a lot. This owner doesn't need what he's allowing them to use. This owner is sending them out, caring for them. But we, as people with talents, have things that we can do and are able to do and things that we can use that God has gifted us with to help advance the church. Look, I've been at this church for three years. I've learned, not three yet, but I've learned lots of things about this place. We have some incredibly talented people. And not talented in the way that I try to get Jared to let me sing songs on Sunday morning sometimes. And he continually tells me no. And there will be a day where I use my skills. And I don't know when it's going to be. Not that type of talent. 
There are people in this room who can build, who can put things together. If you're here today and you're like, man, I don't know how to manage my money. I need someone to help me. I've got some spreadsheet Jedi in this place right now that would love to come alongside of you and help you with that. But when we're talking about talent here, one word born from the other, when we see this is everything that God has gifted you with 20 years wages, and here for us as a church, we look and we would say, what am I doing with what God has entrusted me and gifted me with? Whether that's an ability to sing, that's an ability to, to help with someone financially, to your ability to work on cars. All of those things can be used for the glory of God to the ends of the earth. There's also the pushback when you talk about any of this, though, because it's going to eventually become, begin to be a conversation about our resources and about our money. But here's the thing, friends. When we talk about I've got cash like it's 1986 in my pocket. If you have your wallet, I want you to pull it out. Or you've got a purse, I want you to pull it out. This is the interactive portion of our program. I want you to hold it up. This is a conversation about the same thing. Because when God talks about money, he's not talking about your money because it belongs to him. He's talking about something far more important. He's talking about your heart. My heart, your heart. Chad, I worked hard for my money, just like Donna Summer told me to. You don't know how hard I work. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. Remember the Lord your God gives the power to gain wealth. Uh, furthermore, just one thing that I cannot lose sight of when I talk about this notion of us earning and gaining and making things our own. No matter how hard you work, if you were born in Mongolia in the 19th century, that does not matter. The fact that you breathe in a world where you can say that you have a first world problem is a gift and grace of God in and of itself. Everything's from him. So that's what time. So just working through this, the owner is God. That's low ball understanding of this passage. The owner is God. It ain't you. It's not you. It's not me. You are the steward or the tenant, depending upon your translation. You are the servant here in the passage. Go with me, verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants came and he settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents approached and he presented five more talents and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned you five more. He didn't tell him to earn five more. But his master said, Well, well done, good and faithful servant. That language should be familiar with us, any of us who know the person of Jesus. It's language we read in Matthew chapter 7. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. You're a steward. Those of us in right relationship with God through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we are stewards of what God has given us. Everything he's poured into your proverbial bucket, you're a steward of that. It's not yours to care for. It's not yours to care for for you. It's yours to care for for him. 
The man with two talents also approached, and he said, Master, you gave me two talents, 40 years wages. See, I've earned two more talents. I doubled up. His master said to him, Well, well done, you good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Now, you'll notice by the way that God has gifted them, the, the owner gifts them in this passage. This is not a matter of the one who works the hardest gets the most. They're, what they receive from the master is the same thing. I, I gave you a few things. You did so much with it, share in your master's joy. Verse 24. The man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. Now, what about that? I, I think this is the busted moment for us. I, I, I think that he's standing there and he's watched, as I imagine these words of Jesus in my mind, as person one and person two did something with what they were given and he's just running through his mind what he's going to say to get himself out of trouble in the same way that your child might. Maybe your child doesn't. Mine don't get in trouble. This is a situation where he does not know what to say and he does not know how to say it. Master, I, I, I know you. You're a harsh man. Uh, you reap where you haven't sown and you gather where you haven't scattered. I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. He didn't go to the bank with it. He didn't do anything with it. All that he did was I dug a hole and made sure that what, what was there was still there when I came back to you. Look, God is for us in, in our community. He has entrusted uh, you with every resource that you have. And he has entrusted our community with more, more than many other communities. Let me give you some examples. If you live here in Lake Jackson, the median income in our area, according to a study in 2017, is $86,188. That is 31.3% higher than the median income across the entire state of Texas. So in our community, we are a comfortable people. Everyone has a boat or an RV or their boat converts to an RV. There are lots of things happening here that we would say God has blessed us. However, because we look at this passage and we see what God is saying and we see what God is telling us, we can find... That because we are not the owner and we are the steward, that's pretty obvious, we don't have rights. You have responsibilities. Now hear me say this. I'm not telling you not to have a boat. Have a boat. I think boats are awesome. I'm not telling you not to have an RV. Have an RV. You live in that home wherever you want to live in it. As your place. But what I will say for all of us is there is a definite tension in this text for us to use what God has given us for His good glory to the ends of the earth. There are ways for you to do that. And I would encourage you to figure out ways that you're honoring God with your stuff. So I, I go to CrossFit. You can't tell. We're in the Christmas season. I've given it up. But I'm back. Starting tomorrow. New Year's resolution, baby. 
At our area CrossFit gym, I notice at times that people will say stuff. So, so they go in and they've got together their weights and people will be walking around. And I don't like it when it's really crowded, but sometimes it's really crowded. And every now and then you'll have people who have a stack of weights and they'll have their kettlebell and they'll have their box to jump up on. I try not to do that. And they'll say, hey, that's my spot. Or, or that's my stuff. And I've noticed that from time to time, the owner of the gym will correct them. And I love when he corrects them because he says, hey, nothing in here is yours. Nothing in here is yours. And then he goes to the extent of hiring coaches to show you the best way to use what is his. God has called us as a church, when it comes to our resources, to guide our people to use his stuff properly. So if you're here and you're like, man, churches, they're a money grab. I don't know why you're here. We're going to try and grab your money. But that's not the deal. If you're like, I don't want to give to your church, that's fine. There are great organizations, great places for you to give in our community that are beyond this place. There are ministries that we can recommend to you. I don't want you to feel uneasy or whatever about your resources. But I would say this. If you're a follower of Jesus who's a member of this congregation, you've entered into a relationship with us where you say, at base level, I trust you. So for me to have a conversation as, as the pastor of this church, for Jared to sing songs about about what we do with our stuff, about money, means that I have to bring up to you that there is this idea in our hearts that we want to, that our desire in and of itself is to pull away from what God would want us to do. And there's an opportunity for you to see this is what it means to belong to this body, to do with my things what would honor God, and hopefully our church would help us to do that. And so I've heard multiple sermons about this these passages about giving. And I spent lots of times reading about giving. And as I've spent time listening and reading, I kept hearing people apologize about preaching about money. But you guys matter to me. And you matter to our church leadership. And I want to remind us of what we've committed to when we become members of Grace Bible and how it is our responsibility as the pastors and elders to encourage you to use things in a way that honors the Lord. So, and you'll notice as I walk through things you committed to when you sat down with one of us, the commitments that we make. So, so just commitment one of a member of this body of believers, that you would seek to maintain a close relationship with the Lord through regular personal Bible reading, prayer, fellowship, and the practice of other spiritual disciplines. Notice the language there. We're careful not to even talk about money in that. But giving is a spiritual discipline. I would have a problem if you told me that you weren't reading your Bible. You hear us talk about reading your Bible all of the time. It is just as important for us to bring up the idea of what we are doing with our resources. Not just you, this guy. This guy. So that is about our resources. Secondly, that you will use the financial resources and spiritual gifts God has given to you for the building up of the church, both at Grace Bible and universally. I'm called and I'm in a covenant with you to share with you about what the Bible says about your money. Practice the humility and sacrificial attitude. Of, this is your commitment. Practice the humility and sacrificial attitude of Christ by meeting the needs of others inside and outside of Grace Bible. I'm called to talk about money. Submit to the authority of the Scriptures as the final arbiter on all issues. Your Bible, which I'm called to preach to you, talks about money. 
We exist to show our neighbors and nations at a bottom level that we believe that Jesus is better than everything else. We're called to talk about money. So if I'm going to apologize to you, it's not for preaching a sermon about money. It's the fact that I don't do it more. We sin against you when we are not having conversations about what we're doing with our stuff. When we talk about money, it's not because God needs to know about your dollar signs or your 401k or your 501k if you have a cool one like that. When we talk about money, we're talking about your heart. And I'm called to talk about your heart. It's the same way that when you go to the physician for a physical, they begin to poke around. So if this is bothersome to you, this is why. In the same way that you go to a doctor and they poke and everything's okay until it's not okay, and they know there's a problem there, if you feel poked in the way that I feel poked as I talk about this right now, it's because there's something that's not okay there. So what do we do with this? What's this passage tell us to do? Well, John Wesley, he's, he's a Methodist. I like Methodists. He says this. He gives us four money questions to consider as believers. As we look at our stuff in our pocketbooks or in our wallets or in our... I have one of those little metal wallets that holds everything. I'm really into it, and I can show you where you can find it on Amazon for much cheaper than it actually is in real life. As if Amazon's not real life. John Wesley says this. He asked these questions when he would spend. In spending this money, am I acting as if I owned it? Or am I acting as the Lord's trustee of it? Number two, what scripture passage requires me to spend this money in this way? Big Bible. Can I offer up number three? Can I offer up this purchase as a sacrifice? Will God reward me for this expenditure at the resurrection of the just? Those are hard to read out loud. They're painful for me. They poke me. But we look at Jesus and we see the way that Jesus gives and he gives to the point where he loses his life. Why would we not give to the point that it changes ours? Why would we not use our resources in a way that changes the way that we live? Because what we believe about Jesus and his gospel is revealed by how we behave with our money. It just is. So you got this steward. Let's go back to it. 24. The man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man. You reap where you haven't sown and you gather where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went off and I hid your talent in the ground. See... You have what is yours. And his master replied, You evil, lazy servant. If you knew what I reap, where if you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you shouldn't have deposited my money with the bankers. You should have deposited my money with the bankers, and I would have received my money back with interest when I returned. And then this gets even harsher. So take the talent from him. He's not talking to him anymore. He's talking to everybody else. Take it from him. And give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw his good for nothing ser- this good-for-nothing servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Welcome to church. What is he saying? Look, there are numerous ways that people preach this passage and things that they do to break this passage down. Just base level. I want you to write this down right now if you haven't written things down already. This is what we want to take from today's passage and I want to make just a quick comment on what's happening right there. We are not owners. We are stewards. We don't have rights. We have responsibilities. But what I notice about this man, this third man, who has misused and mismanaged God's resources is this. When you look at the story of these three men, there is a difference in the way that they interact with the owner. Steward 3 says, Master, you are a hard man, and I knew you would be upset if I lost it. Help me out, friends. Is there anything in the response of the master to the servants who trusted him that says that he is a hard, harsh man? No. By what this man did or did not do with what he was given, he has shown that he does not really know the master. So even in settings where we gather together every Sunday, there are many of us who look at our resources as ours, and we look at the way that we manage those resources as if we're trying to keep God appeased by giving whatever minuscule or generous amount that we get. We're trying to keep God happy by the way that we give when what we find in this passage is that we have a master who says, I've entrusted and blessed you with much. And for those who really get what it means to be entrusted and blessed with much by me, you'll know over and over that your investment is worth it and it has value, eternal, significant value. But for those who look at the master as harsh and hard, it doesn't matter how much you give or what you do or how many holes you dig, you're missing who the master really is. Because our God is not harsh. He is merciful and he's loving. And this whole passage talks about weeping and gnashing of teeth. It talks about the outer darkness. Do you know what Jesus is about to do in the passages that follow this one? Jesus will go to the outer darkness for us. Jesus will take the death that we deserve for us. Jesus will offer a hope for us. Jesus will allow all of us who are far from him to have a relationship with God. He will help to fix our, the way that we see the master if we will trust him. And this morning, I would just ask us as believers in Jesus, do we need to see God fixed the way that we see him so that we trust him more? For those of you in this room who are believers, I'm going to ask you on the front side, will you ask God to help you to see his resources that happen to be in your wallets and in your bank accounts for what they really are? Will you help? Will you pray that God would show you how to use his truck properly, his minivan correctly? Will you ask God to show you how to use all of the things that he's given, given to you for this season for the glory of God to the ends of the earth? 
And for those of us who are not believers in this room, I want you to know you don't get to pay dues. This is not Costco. But would you, would you receive what God offers in Jesus? Would you trust what God provides for you in Jesus? Would you see that there is light on the other side of the darkness? That, you don't have, that we don't have a harsh owner who is going to mistreat us if we don't do things exactly the way that he says. But we have a master who is in this passage says, well done, good and faithful servant. For those who call about trust, are we trusting God with our stuff? Whose does your stuff belong to? It does not belong to you. So here's what I want us to do this morning as we just bring this to a conclusion. I would invite you to bow your heads. Every Sunday, I'm in the back left hand, your left hand, my right hand corner of this room. If I can pray for you, just know that I want to do that. If you're like, I don't want Chad to pray for me, I will find someone in the room who will. Because your stuff doesn't belong to you. My stuff doesn't belong to me. It all belongs to the Lord. So we need to figure out, remember, this isn't mine. How am I using what is God's for His glory? Your stuff. Because what your, your stuff tells me a story about your heart. My stuff tells me a story about my heart. And we're going to sing. And if you need to spend a few moments in prayer alone, feel free to do that. If you need to spend a few moments in prayer at your seat, feel free to do that. At the front of this room, feel free to do that. If you would like to have someone pray alongside of you, I'm in the back corner. I'd love to do that. But if you're here and you're not a believer and you want to trust Jesus, even though you don't know the Master, everything you have is His. As I said earlier, the breath in your lungs, all of your things, they're His. And God is inviting you to open your eyes to the fact that they're His. And to know the Master for who He is. Someone who will say, well done, because you trust Him. He wants you to trust Him this morning. So Jesus, I'm, I give you my stuff, you may say. Jesus, here's my stuff. Here's my sin. Here are the things that I've been using to sin. You can have this, and I'll take the life that you offer in exchange. If you pray that or something like that, Jesus, take my stuff, and I want the life that you offer in exchange. Take my sin. I want the life you offer in exchange. I want to follow you. If that's you and you prayed that this morning, I am right there in the back corner and I want to talk to you I want to talk to you Lord we thank you for this morning thank you for your word we ask it in Jesus name